Hey folks, it's time for another episode of the High Power Archery Podcast. It's been less than a week since our last podcast, so we're doing everything possible to try to get them out there back on a weekly basis like we promised. Uh, This week's episode is going to be about blank bailing. Now, most of you who have been shooting for a while have heard of what blank bailing is. But frankly, the whole reason why I'm doing this episode on this subject is because over the last week, I've probably gotten 20 to 25 emails where people are asking about how to solve some shooting problems that they have, and they're saying that their local coaches or instructors or whatever the heck these people are that are being paid to help them, it seems to be the common solution is go work on your blank, on your blank bailing along with your regular practice, and it'll magically fix everything. So while everyone pretty much knows what blank bailing is, for those who are new to this, I'll go ahead and explain how it's done and what it's supposed to be for. But the bigger question is, does this stuff even work or not? If you've ever talked to me personally about the subject of blank bailing, then you probably know where I come off on this stuff. And it's not where most people think. A lot of people think that blank bailing is the end-all, be-all, only solution if you have the dreadful target panic. Yes, I said it. I'm not going to get the evil eye or cursed or anything like that from saying target panic. It is something that people go through. And unlike an uncurable ailment, it's able to be fixed. But there are a lot of different methods for doing it. In my view and my experience of doing this for so long, I can tell you that blank bailing is not it. It may be a part of it, and I'll explain that later, but it is not the only thing that you do as a solution for this. And frankly, in my opinion, and notice I'll always say my opinion because everybody has a different way of doing things. We're all individuals. I stress that in a lot of things that I teach. If you listen to this podcast, you probably already know that. But as individuals, different things work for different people. My experience with this is that it does not work as an end-all, be-all solution for the infamous target panic. It just doesn't. What it does do is allow you to work on certain aspects of things that normally would be a little difficult to do unless you had an easily repeatable method. And again, I'll get into that in a little bit. But let's go into what it is first. So basically, blank bailing is setting up a target bail, whether it's a large one at the range or a small one at home, that has no target on it. And you set it about five to six feet away from you, and you're supposed to practice shooting at that because the thing that most coaches subscribe to these coaches, is that because there's no target on there, you're not staring at a dot or something like that, your mind is not going to be crazed and you'll be able to relax and get your mind to shoot without the 
the panic setting in. And I guess I got a little bit ahead of myself. I should explain what target panic is for those new people who don't know what it is. Everybody else who knows what it is, you might want to cover your ears if you're that fraidy about hearing, hearing those words. Matter of fact, for those of you who are listening to this, I will stop referring to it as target panic and just call it TP, if that'll make you feel any better. Anyone who listens to this podcast mid-swing after skipping the first part and hears me mention TP will probably think I'm talking about toilet paper, but whatever, I'm not. So, target panic. What it really is. Target panic can manifest itself in a couple of different ways, but basically, it can be as little as you can't stay in the target when you're aiming and you drop out of it all of a sudden and fire or in extreme cases, you're aiming and you come in, like some people, it's not the way I teach it, are taught to draw back and come down into your target. And the minute that they see the crosshairs hit the target, something goes crazy in their heads and they just slam on that trigger and fire it. And it really doesn't make a difference if they're using a hinge. I'll get into those things when I think of them or a back tension release, whatever you want to call them, it doesn't matter what they're shooting. The minute that mentally they put together crosshair, dot, boom, shot goes off. Other people get into the target, and once they sit on there, they find that they can't fire. They freeze up. And That is a situation that I've seen a lot more often than not. And freezing up, what will happen to them is eventually they'll get a shot off. But remember I talked about you only have a finite window in which you can fire your shot before everything starts coming apart. And the, the art of archery, as I'd call it, is being able to control yourself to the point that when you want the shot to go off, It's when everything comes into a perfect symbiosis and you're steady and boom, the shot goes off and you relax. Not when you're running out of breath because some coaches tell you to hold your breath until you basically blew in the face. Doesn't work for everybody. Works for some, not for all. Your arm may not be able to hold back all that weight and all of a sudden you get shaky and you just let the shot go. Things like that happen. So you only have that small window in which you got to work on your system, get your timing down to get the shot off. But when target, I almost said it, TP comes into play, well, that all stops. You either freeze or you become Machine Gun Kelly and the minute that thing's in front of the target, boom, it goes off. So that's what TP is. Now, getting to what this podcast is all about, A lot of coaches, I'll go further than that to say most coaches will tell you, well, if you got a case of the TP, just start start blank bailing and it'll it'll solve you, solve your problem. Um, When I first started shooting, I heard that. Actually, when I was a kid, no one even mentioned blank bailing. Uh, but it became a thing in the 80s and 90s, whatever. And then all of a sudden now when there's a lot more coaches out there teaching their mystical ways of how to 
become the modeling great shooter. This is like something that they automatically pull out of their Reader's Digest saying, oh, you've got this ailment? Here's a prescription to fix it. Blank bail for a few hours. Let me know how it goes. And if it were to actually work, that'd be great. But I'd say in about 85% of the cases that I see, it doesn't. In fact, it can sometimes make things even worse. Now, I'm not just going to say that it doesn't work without giving you an explanation of why I find it's not going to work. If you know how I work, I always give you my reasons for why I do something. So when it comes to blank bailing, I find that, sure, you set a target five or seven feet away from you, and you start shooting into it. There's no target there. Okay. Great. It may do one of two things. It may let you work on your form and all that. You execute release. It may bang your arrows together. You know, you're so so close up front, you might, might wind up shooting two or three arrows that are, like, touching each other, um, busting a knock, shooting a Robin Hood by accident. All that sort of thing to make you feel better about yourself. However, it really, really only works if you're shooting five to seven feet away. Because I find that the minute that these people go back to shooting at a spot. And the way I've proven this is, I'll just put a regular 40-centimeter target up front of them and tell them to shoot it. Yeah, they can hit the center of the target. It's five feet away. I would hope they can hit the center of the target. Some people, though, that I mentioned have the really bad shot anticipation that they just go off the minute it crosses through, it doesn't help them. It makes them even worse because now they've spent an hour blank bailing, shooting at no target. That dreadful dot comes up in front of them again, and the minute they see it, smack, it goes off. The arrows may actually go together, but the way I test it is I say, okay, fine, I'll put the target on there now, shoot it. And I'll tell them, wait. And just tell them to wait, that sort of thing. They'll set it off, and sometimes if they try to control their shot, it'll still go wild on the target at five feet away. So for those people who say, well, you stick a target on them, and then they're good, you're seeing they hit the center of target. All right. However, If you remember the principle that I mentioned, whatever your mistakes are, are when you go out to further distances, like from 20 to 50, are going to be magnified by 10 times. If you're doing that outside, magnified even further when you add wind to it. Well, conversely, when you bring the target all the way to five feet from them and stick it on there, You don't see the mistakes all the time. It'll look great. But if you tell them to try to vary their shot in any way, it'll go way off, even at that distance. So what does that mean? 
the blind bailing didn't work. It's simple. If it's a visual issue where the minute that you see the dot, your brain clicks and says, I have to fire it now, that's a problem. Okay? That's a focus problem. That's a trigger effect where all of a sudden, the minute you put two and two together, it's like, go. And there's ways to stop that. And I fixed them. I don't want to say I can fix that easily because it sounds arrogant. And I'm no wizard of fixing the stuff. But I will tell you that the solution is not as hard as people make it out to be. And for damn sure, it has nothing to do with blank bailing. So getting into what happens with this, that's my whole reasoning to say blank bailing, while it may work for some, is not going to work for all. And in my case, it doesn't work for most. Now, the reasoning for it working for that some, I think is different than most people would, would admit to. Most people say firing at a blank bail lets you concentrate and focus and all that and takes this phobia away and therefore eliminates the TP. But if you really look at it, the reason it may work for that small percentage of people is probably not what they think. It's mostly about when you're shooting at the target, okay, you've got your whole system going. When there's no target in front of you, it's just that blank bail, you're able to work on different parts of your system. So you can work on your holding. You can work on your release execution. Again, you're working on the parts where your brain is not involved in your active triggering system. You're fine-tuning that. So when you have someone that says, you know, coach told me go hit the blank bail and, geez, that really, really fixed me. Chances are, and this is what I see in most cases, it wasn't the blank bail that fixed their head. What the blank bail did was give them the opportunity to work on something that was screwed up in their release mechanism. And I don't mean the physical part of the release. I'm talking about their motion or their method for executing. That they didn't have the time to either realize was wrong or to correct when they're shooting at a live target. And I don't mean an animal, just a piece of paper. So when you take that and you put it all together, like, well, I'm working on something else because my brain's not in it. If that was the problem in the first place, yeah, you solved it by doing that. Because now all of a sudden with that eliminated from the scenario, your brain can work and do its normal thing and associate the target and go through your normal method. Not the brain is thinking, oh no, this is all happening here, which you don't even realize as far as like your hand getting hung up on the release or something like that. And it knows that you're having that problem so that it says, once we get it on the spot, let it go. And you may not think that you have all that going on in your head, but the human brain is a very complex thing. And trust me, there's a lot more going on in there than you probably realize when it comes to doing a system for shooting. 
Now, that sounds a bit complex and a bit much, but it's the truth. The human brain is probably one of the biggest computer systems out there. I work in IT. I can tell you, as complex as we get computers today, you'll never get them as complex as a brain. And the day we do, it's the Terminator sort of stuff coming up to real life, and we're all in trouble. So we kind of want to avoid that. But just as an analogy, like I said, the brain is just one big computer. If it's dealing with something else that is not working properly, it knows that. It will try to compensate and make it up in other ways, which usually evolve into TP or target panic. So for those of you who have a phobia of hearing that, sorry, had to say it again. Now, I will not unilaterally say that blank bailing is useless because like everything else that's out there, it can be used as a tool to help you do different things and to correct different problems. So the first thing someone's going to ask after listening to this is, well, if the blank bailing's not going to work, what is? I'll get into that in a little bit. But what do we use a blank bail for then if not for this magical target panic cure? My students use blank bails a lot. Not the way you think, and I'm about to explain what we do. So for those coaches who are listening to this, I don't care if you copy what I do what I'm doing. Because in the end, if it works for your student, that's the whole point of this thing. It's not to keep these deep, dark secrets that nobody knows so they can come to you and learn the magic of what you do. That's a bunch of horse hockey. Sorry, that's not true. That's not how things should work. So when it comes to blank bailing, here's my system and my method and what I use it for. The first thing I use it for is just what I mentioned before, working on other parts of your shooting system that you don't want to complicate the brain with so that you want to be able to work on them individually. Now, release execution is one of them. So from five feet away, there's very little chance that you're going to lose an arrow into the ceiling or into the sky or something like that because it's so close. And on a range, blank bail, so big. However, you can make a blank bail out of a regular target in the store, and I'll explain how to do that in a little bit. But anyway, so you don't, you don't have that big opportunity to lose the arrows. So safety is one thing. So what does that give us? That gives us the opportunity to work on shot execution with, say, a hinge or a back tension release, as they're known. And anybody who knows me is, I will have my students shoot everything but a hinge. Why? I believe in a controlled execution method, kind of like what Joel Turner preaches, and you can look up his shot IQ system and all that, but we basically go about it the same way. I like the way he presents it. Again, different people are better at presenting certain certain things. But for that reason, all my kids, all my students shoot buttons, button releases. Um, They don't shoot hinges. But if you are going to shoot a hinge, and I have people come to me for lessons who do shoot them, some of them are 
much higher level shooters than you'd think. What I tell them is, well, we got to work on what your process is to get that thing going back, okay? Now, without getting too deep into how to shoot a hinge, because just like I said, I don't preach how to use them, but I know how to use them, and I know how to teach to use them properly. Do they give you any advantage? No. In the end, they really don't, because everyone says they give you that surprise release. Yeah, if you do that with a button, you get a surprise release also, because your tension activating it with your back muscles. But I'll get into that on another podcast, one that I'm actually working on right now. But you work on your execution method, okay? Most people who shoot a hinge, you know what their biggest hang-up is and why blank bailing is perfect for them for working on that part of it, not the shooting aspect, but the execution and control part of it is for people who first start shooting a hinge, they are nervous out of their minds about having the arrow go off in the middle of their draw cycle. Or, or, even worse, smacking themselves in the face, breaking a nose or something like that, because the hinge lets go mid-draw, and their hand comes flying back, and if they're in alignment, they get smacked in the face. Now, One of the reasons, I'll just go into this very quickly, that I don't teach shooting a hinge as the fault you got to start with this method to my kids is because if you've ever seen some of these kids that are shooting hinges, and I'm talking about they're shooting them from their 10 years old, whatever, you teach them to draw it straight back, and the way that they get their faces out of the way is at the very last second they whip their head back and then they let the hinge go by and then they whip their head forward again so they can lock in with it. Utterly stupid. And it's not the kid's fault. That's the fault of the coach who's teaching them to do that. Like at the last second, get your head out of the way, let it come back into the straight line, get it back in there. Well, one, aside from being, as I said, ass backwards and stupid, Because a kid can get hurt easily like that. And if you're the person who I think you are, and you teach your kids how to do this, this is meant for you. You're going to have them whip their necks out of the way to get their head back in after they're in alignment again as a safety precaution or whatever it is. Well, guess what? That split second where they're taking their head out of the way They're not seeing what they're doing. And if they're not concentrating on that draw, do you know what happens? They could either do one of two things. Lose control of the draw hand ever so slightly, which case it goes off before they get the chance to move their head off and they get hit and they get hurt. Or even worse, not that getting hit in the face is bad, They draw it back, they whip their head out of the way, don't realize that their shoulder came out of alignment ever so slightly, and they derail the bow. And all kinds of bad things can happen with that. So I kind of avoid both situations because, in my view, they shouldn't be shooting those things in the first place and should learn proper control. 
and just don't have them shoot hinges. But getting back to the blank bail thing, the whole deal with that is very simple. You're working on your ability to control shots, your ability to sharpen your practice on a mechanism, the shot process, you need the mechanism of firing to work on. You can do all that, especially with a hinge, if you're not worried about, oh my God, the arrow is going to go off. Well, if it does go off, it's hitting the bale right in front of you. Don't worry about the arrow sailing into the ceiling, breaking lights. If you're outdoors, sailing into the unknown. So it takes that part of it away. Your brain is not involved in that, and you can just do what you're doing. Work on that part of your form. Work on that part of your release method. So for that, it has all the purpose in the world. Now, how do I use it? Like I said, besides just working on that, I also use it to tell if a student is out of alignment to the target. And I don't mean out of alignment when they draw back and their hands are, you know, rear hand directly in line with the front hand, making two 45-degree angles, explain that another time, so that they meet and you're in perfect alignment, stance and everything. Target alignment to me is a little different. And I find that when it comes to accuracy, it can affect people big time. So how does that fix that for them? What what can this be? Well, what it means with target alignment is I have someone draw the bow back, you know, come square to the target, draw their bow back with their eyes closed. Which, by the way, if you've never done it before, you want to use a blank bail for it. Because the fear factor going on in your head from doing that is tremendous. But anyway, they draw back with their eyes closed, and I tell them to open their eyes, and 60 to 70% of these people, even though they started drawing back directly at the target, are either pointed left or pointed to their right, but not down the center. Why is that? The normal curvature alignment of everyone's body is different. So, and this goes for recurve, this goes for traditional bow, doesn't make a difference what it is. But if you're aiming at something that's directly in front of you, and it really applies to people who are shooting targets, and your natural position when you come to rest at full draw is off the target, what does that mean? Well, what that means is the first thing you have to do is realign yourself. You're going to move yourself. Unnecessary movement to get you back over the target. So what we do with the blank bail to avoid this sort of thing happening is I take two strips of black electrical tape down the center, separated by about four inches. So two strips of black electrical tape, four inches apart. And I have them draw with their bow in the center of that with their eyes closed and open up. And they can see they're usually on one tape or the other. And what we do is we say, okay, you just started like this and ended like this. You 
You started in the center, you ended on the left. So what that means is that even though you have the right stance and everything, your what I call target alignment is a little off because of the way your body snaps. Because remember, if you unnaturally move that into position, okay, in your aiming process, what will happen is as you release, your body is like a rubber band. It's going to snap back into position. So if you are automatically winding up to the left of the target at full draw when you open your eyes and you recorrect and you shoot down the center, you may find that sometimes when you're either not being as in control, you're not holding on the wall or something else, your shots wind up to the left. It's not a tuning problem. It's a you problem a torso alignment problem. Everything being the same, it's your natural body snap that's doing it to you. So we set them up on the blank bail. I tell you, aim right down the middle, close your eyes, draw back. And let's just say that the guy winds up, or the girl, winds up on the left strip of black tape. What I then tell them is, okay, adjust your foot position so that you're just a little bit more to the right, okay? So you're just shifting everything, front and back, a little bit more to the right. So now when you're drawing back, your alignment is actually going to be looking at the black tape on the right side. It doesn't make much sense yet, but it will in a second. Now you're drawing back at the, at the tape on the right side because you're drawing back straight from your position, which you've just now adjusted. Close your eyes, draw back. Open your eyes. Guess what? You're now staring down the center of the two tapes. Your body is not shifting itself during the draw process. Even when you have your eyes open, it's not something that you can visually see happen most of the time. That's why I have people do it with their eyes closed. And now all of a sudden they see that moving their front foot forward two inches maybe, their rear foot rear two inches shifts that angle a little bit around still keeps their alignment of their torso to the hips exactly the same as it was but you're actually just moving the foot position a little bit gee now i'm shooting down the center and i had them practice that take off the strips of tape after a while they get used to it now all of a sudden they're down range shooting at a 20 yard target i like here make sure you this you remember your foot position here do the same thing again and their foot position is a different place. They aim. They can actually close their eyes. And when they, they look, they haven't moved. They're still down the center. There's no rubber band effect for them to snap back. There you go. That's how we use it. The other thing that we use a blank bail for is confidence. When you have a young shooter, you're starting them off at 5 or 10 yards. If you have someone younger than that or you have somebody who doesn't have physical strength and is worried about losing control, you'd be surprised how much control they gain by the fact that they have something right up in front of them that they all of a sudden know there's almost no possibility of something going wrong. And they can go ahead and they can fire like that. And it works. So 
It works for fixing alignment. It works for helping new people who have a confidence issue. And it also works for working on release technique so that your brain's not involved. And then all of a sudden, without that being in the mix and your brain not worrying about that anymore because you've perfected that part of it, now when you put it all together, shooting targets is not a problem. As I said before, I would say how I fix people with the dreadful TP. Target panic people, not toilet paper. Target panic. Well, most of the time, I find that when people are shooting and have these kinds of issues, it could be because they are one of this group of individuals who can't shoot at targets. Because, like I said, their mind is worrying too much about other things. It drops into the center of the target, sees a spot, boom, it goes off. Does that mean that they can never shoot paper targets again? No, it does not. The way we fix them is very simple. I will start by putting a target at 10 yards. And I'll take the target and I'll flip it over to the blank side. Now there's no dot, there's no nothing. And what I'll tell them is, focus on shooting the center of that target in the middle of the paper. And you would be amazed, someone shooting at blank paper in the middle of the target, once they perfect that, and I flip it back around, and I just tell them, when you're going to shoot it again, right? Now, it takes maybe a couple hours for the brain to start figuring it's shooting the center of an object instead of shooting a spot. Once I flip, flip it around and I say, okay, shoot the target, miraculously, they can do it. And why is that? It's because it's not looking for the spot. The spot is not suddenly a trigger again. It's the brain being reprogrammed to say, I'm shooting the center of an object. The object being the big square, they're calculating the center, which happens to be the same spot where the dot is. Once you conquer that, there's no problem. And it happens most of the time where in one or two repetitions of lessons with this, their issues go away. And it's a great feeling to see someone discover that. And you may be saying, well, what happens when they're going to shoot a three spot? Same thing. Conquer the one spot first. Once you conquer the one spot, meaning your brain is not clicking, oh, there's a dot, i got to shoot it. Instead, the brain's thinking, oh, I'm just shooting this center of paper. Then shooting the center of paper that happens to be the lower target, it's the brain like imagines a little box and shoots the center of that box. Same thing on the other side. And also there's a technique for shooting those, those targets which I teach that takes away all the leaning funny and stuff like that, and I can get into that another time. But it does fix these problems. So the dreadful TP target panic doesn't have to be this big evil thing that everybody makes it out to be. Once some people, some people say, you know, oh, can't even mention that to somebody else. They've got target panic. You know, it's like this unmentionable sort of thing that you're not supposed to say anything about, and that once... You do talk about it, you're going to get it too. But that's not the case. 
So that's how I use the blank bail. But people who go ahead and think you're going to go ahead, shoot the blank bail for a few hours, and your release issues are going to be gone, your target issue, targeting issues are going to be gone. No, it's not for that. It was never meant for that. It was actually designed at first, from what I have been told, by some of the guys who actually broke it off a range and said, here, let's just do this. It was actually designed so that people would have more confidence shooting closer, so that people can work on things and not have to worry about the arrow going somewhere else. That's what it's meant for. It's been, I don't know, twisted into something as a cure-all when I'll tell you the people who recommend it, Deep down, I'm pretty sure they know it doesn't work. But they try to think it's going to have that placebo method that, well, if I tell him to do this, he does it enough, it might actually fix him. Guess what? 90% of the time, it doesn't fix anything. If anything, it just makes things worse. Because now all of a sudden they go from shooting at no target to, uh, to a target, and it's like, oh, my God, it's there. Shoot it anyway. Bang, bang, bang. It gets worse than it was before. And we want to avoid that sort of thing from happening. So the whole point of putting this podcast together was to say, hey, if you're having a problem with this sort of thing, use the blank bail as it was meant to be used. Because if you try to make wine out of, I don't know, apples, it doesn't work as good as if you try to make wine out of grapes, which it was meant to be made from. If you want to solve your execution problems, stuff like that, work on them, work on confidence, yeah, the blank bail is going to work. But if you think it's going to be the thing that's going to solve your target panic problems, unfortunately, from my perspective, it doesn't. That's why I don't have students working on blank bails 60% of the time that they're shooting. Now, I also mentioned that if you don't have a big 4x4 blank bail hanging around your range or you don't even have a range that you go to, your backyard shooter or you're shooting your basement or something like that, that doesn't mean you don't have access to something like this. All you need to do is take your same target bag that you have, and most of them are hanging on these big, big grommets that they have at the top, And you can build yourself a PVC hanger structure. If you look online, you'll see them people building for paper tuners and stuff like that. And you hang your bag inside one of these PVCs. Like that holds it up at shoulder width. Because the whole thing about blank bailing is it needs to be at shoulder height, not shooting down. Again, you're working on straight up execution not something that you have to like also now think about aiming. You're trying to bring it down to the basics. You hang it up. Now you're going to say, well, there's still a target on there. Yeah, there is. How do you get around that? Take a black garbage bag, tie it around the target. Then go and get yourself. And I say, go out and buy a new one. I don't suggest robbing your wife's linen closet because She'll probably try to kill you. Um, Go get a big old pillowcase, something like that, and put that around your target bag. Now what you got hanging in front of you is a big white bag. 
you have your own blank bill. And when you're shooting from four or five feet away, it's so close that even if you're doing it indoors, you have all the freedom and the confidence to do it because it's right up there in front of you. Outdoors, same thing. And some people say, well, the target bales are so big. Why do they make them so big? Because they can be used by more than one person at a time. You never see it happen most of the time, but they can. And frankly, when you're on a range, they have so much more space than you do at home or in your backyard sometimes that they build them big so to give someone something bigger to shoot at, a beginner or something like that. But you can build that out of a regular, regular target bag. It doesn't have to be that complicated, folks. That's what I mean. Everything that's out there, a lot of people overcomplicate them. There's really no need for that. Build your own blank bale using stuff that you already have. Maybe needs $10 worth of PVC that you buy at Home Depot or something like that. Build it, set it up, execute it, and you're good to go. Wheel it out or just take it out. The good thing about PVC, it comes apart. Take it apart, store it away somewhere. When you want to work on your blank bailing, bring it out, plastic bag, pillowcase, boom, do your thing. Economic-wise, it's not going to cost you a lot. It's easy to stow away. And if you don't have the opportunity to do it at the range, you do it at home. So that'll do it for my talk about blank bailing. It's a subject that gets me a little heated sometimes because every time I hear it, I just want to go and like yell at the top of my lungs inside of a dark room because these people don't get it. But hopefully this will clear it up for some people. If you have any questions about that, by all means, email me. Happy to explain. So now we're going to get to the listener questions. And again, like I said, the whole basis of this podcast was, and how I base all my podcasts is, is usually on listener questions. So I find out what's the common thing going on, and I'll do a podcast on it. That's why I tell people, if you want to know about something, the best thing to do is email me. Probably wind up being a subject in one of my podcasts. You know, coming up with topics and that sort of thing can be challenging sometimes, but fortunately, so many people got so many things going on, it's, there's usually no lack of subjects. But our first listener question comes from Sheldon B. from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And he writes, Hi, Coach. So glad to have you back. I'm glad to be back still. Thank you very much. Um, There's a little bit of a lengthy one that I read. My sons and I basically started shooting over two years ago and we're getting nowhere. But a friend recommended your podcast and you have been a wealth of knowledge and help to us. I appreciate that. We were able to progress by leaps and bounds after just listening to a few of your episodes and we can never thank you enough. Over the last few months, my son James and I both run into issues with what the local instructor, all right, this is, the minute I saw instructor, I knew something was up, what the local instructor called a bad case of target panic. When it, when it started to show, you had, when it started, your show had just gone off the air and we checked with the local guys here. Well, a couple hundred dollars later, I guess he was paying him to help him through his target panic issue, well, a couple hundred dollars later, and no, and we are no better off than we were before. In fact, I think it's even worse. What did I say happens sometimes when you just try to rely on what I was saying? The instructor we paid told us that we should shoot 3D instead of targets because our panic was so bad. Yeah. Don't get me started on people like this. If you can't find a way to solve someone's issue, that does not mean that they're doomed and better luck doing something else. 
That's a don't be that guy subject for another day. But I digress. He said we can only cure it with months of blank bail practice. And even that was a maybe. It actually made things worse. James is almost ready to give up and quit shooting. But when I saw you were back, I thought I'd fire off this email to see if there was anything you can do. Thanks in advance for any assistance you can give us. Well, you know, the first thing I did was yell BS, the unabbreviated version, as loud as I could, and then I calmed myself down, and I called them, and I walked them through what was going on and turned out to be something with their release issue, Um, how to set up targets for the blank bail. But I said, before you even do that, Let's set up a target downrange and put the reverse side of the target on it so you're shooting at a blank square. And within, I'm going to say within a week, I think they went to two different practice sessions doing this in the yard. And then they went to the club where they shoot and doing it over there. Magically, as if I wrote a prescription to say, here, take this and you'll be fixed, it worked. Again, in their case, it was a change in the brain's perspective of what's going on, retraining the brain on how to shoot it when it comes to targets. This did not cost them a couple hundred dollars to do. And frankly, there are certain people who will milk a student for as long as they can before they just say, I can't help you. You're a special case. You're doomed. And in this case, the guy said, I can't help you. Uh, shoot 3D or blank bail forever, maybe that'll help you. So that was a failure on their quote-unquote instructor's part. I'd love to know where this guy got his credentials from. Like I said, credentials mean nothing to me. But it wasn't the blank bail that he said was going to solve it, maybe. It had nothing to do with it. You're trying to cure a problem with the wrong thing. And it worked. Once we put them on the right path, they fixed themselves. Our next question comes from Mike M. from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He writes, hey, coach, my girls and I just started listening to your podcast. Both of my daughters shoot Joad and my youngest, Nancy, met one of your students last year at a competition, and she was nice enough to help her fix her center serving that had popped. Why do I think I remember this one? Because it was a, it was a shoot that I didn't go to. And one of my girls told me, oh, yeah, I I fixed somebody's center serving. I'm pretty sure this is the one they're talking about. Never seen a kid work like that, let alone a young girl. It was amazing to to see at least. They talked for quite a while, and she mentioned your podcast. Well, fast forward a few months, and my daughter Megan is having problems getting her release to go off. We changed releases and tried everything, but no luck at all. Her Joad coach told us to use a, a TheraBand to practice, Typical USA archery thing, practice with a TheraBand in your release method, see if it works. Practice with a shot trainer, see if it works. Again, it sometimes doesn't. Shot trainers are good for working on your release method. Like, you just want to get that feel, you know the feel. But when you have a problem, they don't work. So, um, so getting back to this, her Joy coach told us to use a TheraBand to practice the release, but she is still freezing. 
It actually is causing her to get zeros in five spots because she can't finish all her shots in time. So she's obviously taking a very long time to execute because she's got a freezing problem. And in a, in a tournament round where you're shooting a five-spot target, she freezes up and maybe gets only four of the five shots off. I've seen that a lot before. I'm reaching out hoping that you can help. We've heard so much about the way you help people. Maybe you can get her going, uh, get her going normal again, if there's ever really a normal. It's just helping them out. She's just super annoyed. Thanks again. Well, I replied to their email and said, okay, um, this is a case where the blank bail, which should have been recommended by the coach for working on her release, would have helped, but they didn't. Again, they, they said this is a target panic problem or something else. Here, get this band and work on that 250 times a day. And maybe you'll fix yourself. That didn't work. So emailed them back, say, hey, blank bail, whatever, get it on there. Work on the release. Concentrate on working on the release. And I told her in the email, I said, just do a repetition, like Joel Turner says, of saying something to get your brain off shooting. Because if you're actually thinking about getting the shot off, Sometimes you will freeze. Joel Turner's famous phrase is just say pull, pull, pull. Keep on saying in your head pull as you're executing. And then if it's not going off, start getting even more forceful with the way you're saying it. I actually told her dad, I said, listen, what you do with her is if she can't put two and two together on how to do that, because sometimes kids don't necessarily actuate what you're telling them, sit then do it for her at first. And she'll be able to hear your voice in her head after a while and do it on her own. So I said, fine. As she's there, she's starting to execute. I want you to stand behind her and say, pull. And miraculously, her shots started going off. And after about two or three days of that, he said that she was able to do it on her own. And now she doesn't freeze anymore. But she's doing it in a blank bail. And she can do it with the TheraBand trainer too. But she's doing it at a blank bail and having the utmost confidence that the arrow's not going to go flying somewhere and she could just work on that release part of it. I got a second email back from them about a week later and said, hey, she's not freezing anymore. The, the way you said to fix this worked. And it's all about getting the ability to work on something and distracting your brain. So in this case, that's what a blank bail was made for, working on that release part of it, giving you confidence to work on the release part of it. Her problem was never a spot. Her problem was something wrong in her release mechanism as she's going off. Well, you can't work on that when you're shooting at a target downrange. It just doesn't work. So like I said, there's a small percentage of people where they say work on a blank bail would actually fix them because it lets you work on your release. It does not magically take away target panic. It lets you perfect the part of your, your shooting system, which is ailing, which then takes your brain and says everything is back to normal. All systems to go do what you normally do. 
We got her to work on that. She's using that mental pull as she goes back, and then that's allowing her to get the trigger and not get hung up somewhere. Case closed. She's fixed. If she develops something else, then you work on it as a separate issue. But in this very case, the coach who should have prescribed, hey, work on your release technique on the blank bail, didn't. So like I said, different cures for different ailments, but you got to know when to insert what and where and how to properly use it. So in this case, it was the solution is there. Nobody's giving it to her under the proper circumstance. But that one is solved. So that'll do it for the listener questions. And now, as you've all been probably waiting for, I will de-enhance my comm as I do the go- Don't Be That Guy segment. So, today's Don't Be That Guy. <sighs> Subjects that I brought up in po- past podcasts, but I'm going to just bring it up now. Today's Don't Be That Guy goes out to the blind fanboys. What are they? Well, there are fangirls too, just so you know. But fanboys are people who are so committed to a particular brand that they have blinders on. Nothing else could ever be better or as good as the brand that they shoot. Whether it's a bow or a release, whatever it is, that's it. If you're not with them, you're against them. And you're a subhuman and you're not right. I call total and other BS on that. You know why? Because it's like this. I get it. You're a fan of a particular brand. You're a Hoyt fanboy. You're a Matthews fanboy. I don't care what you are. But you want to wear their shirts? You want to say it's the greatest thing since cheese? Knock it out the box. Don't care. But the minute that you cross the line and start telling people that their products that they're using, whether it's another brand bow, another type of release, whatever it is, is substandard because it's not what you're using, then you become a total and utter moron. One of my friends was telling me about somebody who happens to shoot a Hoyt bow, okay, a guy shooting for maybe two years, relatively unexperienced, inexperienced as you go with it. And he's saying to him, no, well, this Matthews sucks because it's a Matthews and this and that. Um, Anything you mention to the guy sucks. Well, okay. As I said before in another podcast, that, that you're going to run into everywhere. But when these people cross the line and start berating you over what you're shooting, they start annoying you because they can't be in the presence of another brand. Oh, my goodness. They're going to have a fit. Like, how dare you come in here with that? Then, my friend, you have become the subject of my don't be that guy. And you're being that guy. And you know why 
I mention these people over and over again? It's because it's people like that, okay, who when a new shooter is at the range or at a shop or something like that, and you run into one of these toads, okay, and they are being nothing but a complete and total overpowering asshat. The only time this po- this podcast I'll mention that. But when they're being like that, it makes for an unfavorable experience for everyone around. But for a new person, it can be the thing that discourages them and sends them elsewhere. But congratulations, you've accomplished what you think is right because they're gone because they're not shooting the same thing as you. They're not using the same release as you. They're not shooting the same bow brand as you. Well, tough. Keep it to yourself. Because for every one of those fanboys out there, no matter what brand you shoot, try that on me. I'll knock you down 10 different ways to Sunday with everything that you think is so good. I can come up with 10 different things that are not so good about it. And I'll make you feel down and low just to put you in your place. Like, oh, yeah, you think you're so great? Well, here's everything that's wrong with that. How do you feel now? So if you want to go ahead and feel great about a product that you're using, whatever, that's wonderful. Keep it to yourself. Or if you want to tell somebody, hey, you know, this thing is great because it does this, that's no problem. But the minute that you start berating people because they're not shooting the same thing as you, they're not using this, maybe they can't afford it. Who cares? Stop. Cut it out. It's annoying. It's distracting. It creates a disharmony like you have no idea. And frankly, you become one of those people that when people go to the range, they want to avoid. Because no one wants to run into somebody like that. So just don't be that guy who does that. Be a normal human being. Be nice to other people. Because if you can't do that, find something else to do. Otherwise, what's going to happen is you're going to wind up finding that whenever you're somewhere, the whole crowd moves away from you. And in the end, archery is really to bring people together. We shoot together. We have fun together. But you want to be that asshat. I was only going to use it once, but there's number two. Then that's you. So just don't do it. Be happy about what you got. Don't belittle other people because they're not shooting the same thing as you. Whew. Well, that'll do it for that segment of the show. Anyway, we're right at the one-hour mark, and that'll do it for, for this podcast. As always, uh, if you have a question, send it to highpowerarchery at gmail.com. Be on the lookout for our newsletter, which is finally starting to roll out again. And I'm going to try to release one after we do every podcast. There should be one going out today. Um, I'm trying to get that YouTube video uploaded today if I can. If not, it'll be tomorrow or something like that. Um, But we're trying to put as many new things together as possible for you. Get a question, email us. Go to our website, highpowerarchery.com. Fill in the contact box. Send us a message through there. 
couple of different ways to get through of us through to us. Visit our Facebook page, visit our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash high power archery. Like and subscribe this way we can allow the algorithm to spread and other people are getting access to it. We're not trying to make money off it. And as always, it's never goodbye. It's until we meet again. Until then, shoot straight and stay safe. <laughs>